Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today we've got a very good friend of mine, uh, a brother from another mother, and a guy that's had my back for literally the last year, Mr. Chip Franks. Chip, thank you for being here. It is an absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. Dude, it's been a while we've been trying to set this up. Uh, I think Esther tried to get us on the same show a while ago, schedule conflicts, and eventually we finally got here a little while later, connecting quite deeply. I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, real well, quick... Yeah, sorry about that. Just real quick, uh, sponsor shout out to the people that are sponsoring the show. As always, AdelaMarcy.com is sponsoring the show. Also sponsored by ChipFranks.com and our newest sponsor, AbrasiveEntrepreneur.com. Go out, go there, check it out. Shane did like a full-on hour-long uh, Facebook ad psychology breakdown. It's actually pretty cool. So go check him out as well. Um, yeah, let's just get rocking right into this. Dude, I... You, it's absolutely amazing, like, connecting with you, and I love the fact that you're in your library right now, and it's making me have library envy right now, because I'm just looking at it going, god damn. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's funny, uh, I just brought all of these home from my my real estate office, because I, I had a professional library for my agents and the people that worked with us set up there, and so uh, sold the business uh, several months ago and finally leased the office space, which is a relief. Yeah. And had to bring all of these home, and and now it looks uh, looks pretty impressive, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see you got the power of broke as one of the books as well. I mean, that's a really good book. Uh, Draymond James. Yes. I think it's uh, a yep. yeah, middle shelf. Yep. See, the only reason I can see that is because it's on my shelf up there on the left, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. So I'm like, I know that look. I'm just like, I want to know that book. It's right next to Jay Abraham's. Getting everything you can out of all that you've got, just coincidentally. That's uh, nice. Good book. I, mean, I just finished rereading that again for the fourth time ever. Like, a lot of my friends are like, you should read that all the time. Like, I love reading books, but my brain just cannot process them anymore as quickly as I used to. So, A, congratulations. I, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I understand that you've actually been doing copywriting and studying marketing since the third trimester, I think. Pretty much, yeah, just, you know, mom just, like, plugging away. You need to learn how to sell, pretty much from the get-go. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't that early on. I, I started learning how to sell when I was five and started learning how to write when I was 12, so it was a lot of fun. But, like, you, you've you been in business for how long now? I mean, you've been in business for years, as far as I know. Yes. Uh, well, I, I basically started uh, business for myself just right out of college. And I was 22 years old getting out of college, and have been a real estate in real estate for the last 22 years and have been a, uh, a broker for the last 20 years, a real estate broker where we sponsor other agents and help them with their business. So, and uh, have just recently, uh, I, I guess technically I'm still a broker, uh, but have changed professions completely within the last few months. It's exciting and a little scary, uh, scary but, but wonderful. So what's the uh, field that you moved into now? Uh, well, two things. I have two major things going right now, and one of them is uh, is called Joe Volunteer. And I think you know a little bit about that. It's a company that I have with Joe Polish, and the premise of it is to be able to, to spread kindness and be kind to human beings and make it a lot more effortless and frictionless through an app. So anytime that you get the need to help another human being. If you want to do that, you simply open your phone and using GPS, it can tell you the closest place to you uh, at the nearest time for you to actually volunteer and help other people. Wow, and cool. well, thanks. And, and the other thing that we're setting up with it, which I'm pretty excited about is that 
anyone will be able to put in a volunteer opportunity. So if you're in London, for instance, because we plan on having this internationally, which would be fantastic, that uh, you see some folks, uh, some homeless folks on the corner and it's extremely cold and you decide to have a coat drive this evening from 6 to 8 p.m., you could post it on your phone and all those people that are close by that have wanted to help the homeless will get a ping on their phone saying, hey, there's a coat drive tonight, 6 to 8 p.m. And what we want is, is crowdsource kindness and make that a worldwide movement through Joe Volunteer. That's so that's the first thing we're working on. Sense. Yeah, we'll have to talk a little bit more about this. So what's the other thing you're working on? Uh, the other thing is actually it's another real estate company. And Joe Volunteer is kind of, a, I guess it's more altruistic and it's uh, something to, to help mankind. And I guess all business in a sense does this, but uh, the other one is called helpwithagents.com. And I don't know how, how familiar you are with real estate agents, Quite. but... Yeah, okay. I've yeah. written quite a lot of copy for those guys. In fact, um, I actually made my first big win in the real estate market over here. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you probably know that uh, a lot of agents, they just charge the same. And there's about a 6% cartel, at least in the States, that, that abides. And that is uh, 3% for the selling agent that sells the home and 3% for the listing agent. But what we want to do is, is make the absolute best way to sell your home and to find an agent. So it's like an Airbnb for realtors where you can shop for real estate agents where they put in their qualifications, why you should hire them, some of their fantastic ad copy written by Adil. <laughs> I had no idea I was in on this. I'm totally into this. <laughs> and, uh, and most importantly, what they charge to buy or sell a home. So we're introducing market free market economics to that. And we're going to see how it goes. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. It just partnered up with uh, a good friend on it who knows the, the tech end of the business extremely well. And I know the real estate side of it. And uh, I think that it's going to help a lot of people. At least I, I certainly hope so. Well, and then uh, last thing, I, I guess it's not a, an official business, but I just finished writing my first book as well. Yep. So I'm excited about that and glad glad to have done it. Well, what's your book about? Because by the time like this podcast goes live, I think your book's going to be out on Amazon and should be ready to sell. But what's it called? Is it like Parenting Advice? That's the book that you wrote? Or... Well, actually, yeah, there's a little confusion about that. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't officially named it yet. I've been calling it Daddy's Advice Book. And as you just pointed out, one of the it is a book for... It's the advice that I'm giving to my kids as their dad and what I would want to leave with them as uh, as a legacy if something were to happen to me. And it's advice on everything from uh, conquering fear to outsourcing your life to, uh, to how you deal with adversity and, uh, and how to get out of a depression and just different things that I want them to know as, as they turn into adults. And yeah, I'm a little biased, but I think it's it's great advice. And I am a a voracious reader. I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts and books, and uh, and I've I've tried to uh, I've tried to curate all of that information for my kids, and at least pass it through my filter and tell them, you know, uh, this has worked for me. I'm not saying absolutely take my advice, but at least consider your dad's perspective on this. And it's a book literally written to my kids. But it's uh, obviously published for everyone to read. 
That's pretty cool. I'm definitely going to be getting a copy when it comes out. But more importantly, saying that you're a voracious reader is an understatement. Um, <laughs> guys, you might not be able to see this, but I'll try and like, grab a snapshot later or get a uh, chip to send me a snapshot of this. But his library is freaking amazing. Okay, like You guys have seen possibly my library. I've got like four or five bookshelves worth of like books at my house. Um, just all plastered around this, like two above the TV, three above my piano, two or three in my bedroom, one in the hallway. But even so, I think your library beats my library's ass so badly. I'm just like, God damn, there's so many good books. But looking at them, because I'm nosy, we have a lot of books in common, because I'm like, okay, so I see this book, got this, and this, so it's crazy. But going back a step, because um, we're going to talk about your book in a minute, but what I really want to jump into is like Joe Volunteer. I mean, that is an yeah. incredible thing, because... Um, one of the key elements that I love about business and entrepreneurship in general is that we tend to be givers anyway. Like if you look at any entrepreneur, the reason they like, not the second generation of wealth entrepreneurs by that, I mean, Hey, my parents had some money. They loaned it to me. I made some money on my own from my parents investment. I'm like, cool. You did great. I'm talking about the guys that come from nothing that basically are first generation millionaires or entrepreneurs that are making six figures. We I, I'm, I can't remember what the statistic was, but it was like, apparently we have more in charitable like resources every single year than like other people do all year round, just simply because we're like, well, we've been poor, we know what it feels like, so here's some money, let's go ahead and do this, or here's some time for you guys, here's something we're going to do just to basically give back to the community. I'm really impressed that you're actually taking this concept and moving it forward so like even people in like the UK can use it. Because the moment you said that, the first question that came to mind was like, Please tell me this thing exists in the UK because I want one. I, w I want to get it. Well, we plan on going there, and it might be just a little while. Uh, yeah. We've already created the first version of the app, and we raised nearly $60,000 on Indiegogo to do it, and it didn't work as well as we'd hoped. And, and what it is is it's a setup to where organizations like Meals on Wheels and the Red Cross and Habitat for Humanity could put in their particular volunteer opportunities and have have all of our users be able to, to see you know when and where it happens. But <laughs> they say that the first uh, version of uh, a product or service uh, doesn't survive meeting with the customer, and that's kind of what happened in this case because the the places out of 23 that have agreed to work with us and said this is fantastic let's do it only two actually proactively put in their information and of course we were able to supplement it and put it in for them in one location but that's not something that's scalable nationwide and these are all problems and issues that you don't think about coming into it but of course you just have to to adjust and adapt and overcome and in this case we were able to partner with volunteer match which is our country's biggest resource for following, uh, finding volunteer opportunities. And they have over 400,000 opportunities and they're allowing us to use their API to get into uh, our app so we can hear all of those for people. And I don't know if there's a resource like that in Europe yet, so it, it might take some engineering and figuring it out, but... There is. Uh, you guys would be the first. <laughs> well, thanks. First. I mean, that's something that's like really powerful, though, because I love doing stuff like that. Um, now, granted, I don't usually like talking about the charitable stuff I do just simply because I have this belief that if you're going to do something that's charitable, because um, I don't consider myself a passive influence. I'm just like, cool, I know what I'm doing. I'm quite quiet behind the scenes. That's what I like to do, even though like my base personality is being on stage. That's the type of person I am. Um, I love giving to charities, like even as much as it's like, because uh, I live in central London. Um, one of the goals I actually have in my business, I've written this down. At least for like two years now i'm still like working towards it is to build an automated business 
that generates an average of $10,000 a month start a charity and then basically funnel the money through the charity so it's like tax-free because, you know, you don't want to pay the tax, man. That's the worst thing ever when you're trying to give money to charities that you have to. It's taxable income. It's like it's not income. It's going straight to them. But generate all the money in that business and just give it away every single month like because there's no middleman. Because there's no, like, admin fees. There's no, like, processing. There's no, like, me trying to get people to, like, recruit. It's, I built the business. The business is now going into a charity, like, fund. So it's basically all the money goes directly into a charity. From there, I can just go out and anonymously give money to people. Because that's the thing I never want to do. Um, I can't remember who it was. But I remember seeing someone years ago and they did this. And it was an amazing idea. Or at least they told me a story about this. What they would do is they'd go and sit down with the people that, like, are homeless and find out what what's going on, what's going, what's happening, because some people are dependent on drugs and alcohol, and that's how they basically got where they are. And he'll interview them and find out like whether or not they want to get out. If they want to get out, he would sponsor their rehabilitation. Like he would actually pay for them to go to rehab and everything else. Other people were there because of circumstance. Like you know, my my, you know, some teenagers were like, nope, I got kicked out of the house because of this situation. It was either you know live in hell or like live homelessly. And I chose homelessly because that was the easier of the two. Or, you know, the banks foreclosed my home. I ended up being homeless myself. Just a bunch of weird ways. And what he would do and what I'm planning to do is essentially just like... Because I don't want anyone to ever know that I'm doing these things. Like, I want to be completely quiet. So I want to find out where they're going to be. And just walk by, drop off a backpack to them. And it's going to have like a letter, um, the money, and a few supplies as well. So it's going to be like, hey, I love your story. Here's the thing. Um, here's the thing, like, whatever amount it is that they need to get up and going, I mean, like, if it's a thousand dollars, like, it's ten thousand dollars, I don't really care what it is, it's, like, it's just given to them, and it's, like, here you go, the only thing that I want you to do is when you're back on your feet, don't look down on those that are homeless, I want you to pay this forward, I want you to find someone else, or at least ten people you can help in this, in this particular way, and I think that is the way that you start, like, battling this entire thing out. That's wonderful, yes, and... I appreciate your heart in saying that you don't want others to, to know about that or whatever, and it's that is uh, very admirable. And that's something we've uh, we thought about and we've struggled with a little on Joe Volunteer, is we do want to make it viral, and we want to make it somewhat addictive and fun, and uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's, uh, peer pressure, uh, to, to use positive peer pressure to get other people to help out and to volunteer. And we debated about having a share button on whether or not uh, when someone does something, it's shared on Facebook, for instance, because we want other people to see that. And we're actually going to ask all of our volunteers, all of our Joes, we call them, to post that, yes, I went out today and I helped with the children's hospital or I helped uh, pass out homeless packets out on the streets, uh, which is what, what you're talking about as well. Um, and that's that's the idea is to actually you know get more people to do it but I understand completely and if you do something kind for someone else and don't tell anyone about it that is just a, a quiet satisfaction that sits on your soul and it's a wonderful thing to have and well, yeah well there's that but then again it's also one of those things where if you're a person of influence I think by all means go do something charitable and tell other people if they're going to go do it as well like, yeah. I mean, for, like, once, the way I look at it, if I became a person of influence, like, people everywhere were, like, following me, getting to know who I was, I was in several media outlets, the whole lot, 
by all means, they're like, what do you do in your free time? I was like, oh, I go interview uh, homeless people and I just basically go ahead and drop off little packets of money to them and everything else like that because I want businesses to do that because if you create that kind of change, of course it's going to create a movement that moves people forward. And if you're interested, come talk to me. That's the only time I would ever like promote this thing is and go do it with me is if you can if you can make sure that other people are there because otherwise I just feel it's egotistical for me to talk about it. But if it comes from a place of good where you try and push forward like you guys are doing, what you guys are doing is admirable as all hell because you and Joe are super influential um, and basically doing something like that using positive peer pressure, you know that feeling is going to spread. And that's yep. a good thing. And that's like, in a way, you're actually gaming a system that kind of does, like, it can be used as in, oh, hey, look at how great I am. You're now changing that on on its head by going, oh, no, you're coming with me. I'm going to hook you guys in. You're going to come help me out. We're going to go do this together. It's going to be an admirable thing we do. And I love that. I love the idea of what you guys created. Well, thank you. Yeah, but just, uh, just I, I want to go back to your person of influence thing. And uh, one of the, the cool things about it is even if you have a friend or two friends that you want to bring with you with it, that is being a person of influence. I mean, and you're literally two or three times or tripling your your amount of influence and the amount of good that you can do in the world just by, by bringing one or two people along. So it's just something to think about. And yeah, not necessarily uh, shout it from the mountaintops, which I think we can all be guilty of sometimes in you know, the era of Facebook, but just, just using influence for a good reason. See, that's excellent. See, I didn't think of it that way. So that's really good for me to know. Thank you. But I was going to say, now jumping into the book, Dags is yeah. Because like, this, this is a book that's absolutely amazing because I've spoken to you enough times. I mean, you've given me book recommendations to read uh, where I've gone through like some down periods. And um, especially Love Yourself Like Your Life Mattered, because it does. Uh, that is an excellent book. I recommend everyone that's listening to this go read that book. It's... Um, Chip has gone ahead and like recommended it to me when I was going through like a down period. And what I do in my journal, because uh, you guys won't be able to see this unfortunately, but again, I'll take photos later. But in my journal every morning, um, I put out like a top line bit, like cross off the top line, the bottom line of the pages. And I write like a little thing like, I love myself and whatever it is. And the bottom line just say, I love myself and so my gratitude. That's essentially what I do every day, and I can tell you right now, you feel absolutely freaking amazing whenever you do it. It's one of the coolest things and one of the best feelings I've had, so thank you for that. Oh, my God. You are very welcome. And, you know, it's it's funny because we, we probably need to talk about this, too, because yeah. uh, one of the things I've, I've noticed about you, and we've had this conversation on Facebook or through Messenger, is that with genius comes a little bit of madness. Yeah, I mean, I've actually set that as my background photo so it goes just as a constant reminder. Yes, and that's funny. I actually, I had that thought before I, I read it from Aristotle, so I feel really good about, about being in that company, right? So I thought I had an original thought, but obviously uh, it's, been, it's been had before. But uh, the thing that I, I want to talk about is because there is a good chance that folks that listen to a podcast like this are entrepreneurs. Yep. And there is a genius that comes with being an entrepreneur. I mean, we are different people. And I know you've had Alex on. He's a good friend of mine. Yep. And we are more emotional. We're more empathetic. Uh, we have a tendency to uh, have higher highs and lower lows than other people. And, and I've had that. Uh, one of my friends just talked about it on, on his show. And he calls it his own personal 80-20 rule. And he's okay with it. And this is something that makes a lot of sense. 20% of the time he is down. And he is 
filling it and filling uh, the resistance from the war of art. You know, if you've mm -hmm. read that and Good think book. about it, weighs on your soul and you don't want to get out of bed at all. But the other 80% of the time you're riding high and you're doing something important and you're feeling great and you have all the dopamine hits of being at the top of your profession and helping other people. And you know what, that's a, a trade-off that I would take any day. Yep. And, and one of the things, yeah, I, I feel about this and hopefully if your listeners are feeling this and they know that they get down and that there are those times uh, I am okay with those times personally now because one is I do have the discipline and uh, I do remember to love myself, which is very important. And that's a great book, by the way. It's Love Yourself Like Your Life Depended On It by Kamal Ravikant is the name. And I was looking for it back here, but it's a little tiny book, so it's hard yeah. to find. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's like uh, 60 pages. You can read that in like a day. It's so simple yeah. to read. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and just loving yourself is, is part of it. But the other thing is just knowing that this too will pass and that I'll, I'll get through it. And just like anything, I'm going to feel a lot better later on. And that uh, if you can just get through the bad time and treat yourself with as much self-compassion as you can muster, uh, that you'll be, uh, you'll be just fine later on. And I love that feeling and that thought because, uh, I've gotten a lot better with the, uh, with journaling and knowing the the patterns that happen in life because Adil, you're magnificent. And you're going to get down again, Thank right? You. You're, yeah. well, you're welcome. And how old are you, by the way? Uh, I turned twenty eight September thirtieth, so that's what that's like my twenty eighth birthday. This uh, in about yeah. six weeks. Yeah, and the thing is, this is funny because you say uh, if you become a person of influence or whatever, and, and personally, I mean, you're already there, number one, but number two. You are so young to be this brilliant and to, to have this much knowledge and reading the right books and being around the right people. Uh, the, the world is open to you. And uh, just the, the thought of that being derailed by getting down or being depressed or uh, feeling some despair, which, again, as entrepreneurs, we all feel that. But it's going to pass. Yep. And and I, I'm so happy that, that it seems that you're doing great and that you're flourishing and that, that uh, things are good with that. And it, it's open for everybody. And just know it's going to be sunny again. Most definitely. And by the way, you've paid me tremendous amounts of compliments, but let me pay you one back. And I'm going to say this for everyone listening to the show. Make sure you follow Chip. I'm not even, I'm not fronted. I know he's one of my guests and I love him for who he is. And I do love you, dude. Fucking awesome. Um <laughs> But right now, I can tell you right now, Chip is one of the guys that out there that if he says he's going to do something, A, he does it, but B, he does it with all the heart in the fucking world. Like, that's no word of a lie. I mean, um, you had, like, a health issue earlier this year. I remember that. And um, I remember, like, I was like, oh, shit, I hope, like, he's okay because we got in touch. And it was really, really cool, like, getting back in touch with him. But I can tell you right now, even during that fucking phase, if you reached out to him, he wasn't going to tell you, like, Oh yeah, no, it's okay. You know, let me just take some time off. No, he'd be there on on a dime. That's the type of guy this guy has. Huge heart, fucking love him to pieces. Um, but I'm gonna add this as a caveat as well because it's it's something that I want to add uh, to anyone that's going through a down period. Um, draw out a bow and arrow, like right now. Get a notepad and pen, just you know, easy like D shape with a bow and arrow. And I want you to label the back of the arrow where my life is when I'm down, because I want you to bear in mind. When you're doing this, when life has you down, it's essentially the same as if, as if um, 
life is basically drawing you back. You're like an arrow. Life is drawing you back. It's pulling you into the darkness because it's about to let you fly. And when you fly, you're going to go through the air and hit a target that you're not even sure about. And the thing I've realized is even though it's the 80-20 rule, that 20% could be three months, could be six months, could be a year. But the, as long as you keep chugging away, chipping away, little bit by little bit, you're going to get hit that point where you're just going to fly. I think, Chip, you had, you've gone through this. I've gone through this. I think every great entrepreneur has gone through this. Um, personally, for me, the worst one I had was uh, I went through 120 days with no sales, doing door-to-door sales. Oh, I did not know you did door-to-door sales. Yeah. because uh, I've done that as well. <laughs> yeah. I, the way I look at it is every great salesperson, door-to-door sales, telesales, and copyright – they have to know how to sell, in my opinion. And um, I did door-to-door sales in my second year of writing copy. Like, I think I was, like, turning 20 at the time. Uh, actually, it was 20. I uh, started knocking doors because I heard Gary Halbert say that if you really want to understand selling, go knock doors. You'll see, you'll, There's no better way of learning, like, face-to-face sale, you know, like, feet-to-feet sales. I was like, oh, shit, okay, cool. So I'm going to go, like, sell energy. That's essentially – I found an energy company – Worked out with them. It was 100% commission, so you had to make money or you didn't eat. And I went through 120 days of zero sales. But I kept showing up six days a week, nine hours a day, just kept showing up and going like going for broke. And sometimes, actually, it was longer than that. So I started at 10 o'clock in the morning. I didn't get home till like midnight. But that was pretty much it every single day. And because, and thankfully, I only sleep four or five hours a night anyway. I spent most of my night like writing copy for my clients in the US. So it was like, get home knock my stuff up, start writing copy, go back, go to sleep, get up, go to work, come back and do this constantly. The thing I found during that period, even though I was going through 120 days of like feeling like crap, uh, my credit card bills were crazy. I was getting uh, bailiffs called me. I was getting everything go crazy. Um, thankfully, I was living at home because I was only like 20. Um, something that was incredible was at that same moment while this is all going down, I closed my first big client at the time for three and a half thousand dollars well three and a half thousand pounds was about five thousand dollars at the time uh the deal was and again this so i mean i cut my teeth in real estate with this it was a real estate offer which i can't go into detail about but it was a fifteen thousand pound or twenty eight thousand dollar real estate business um seminar over here it's like support group coaching stuff and it was all done but through direct mail in the uk alone we wrote the ad and the the thing was i got three percent on the first week of mailing. So whatever came during the first week of mailing, I'd make 3% of that. Everything else, they keep. I'm like, cool. In that first week, they did uh, 3.5 million pounds or $6 million on my first like real big ad piece that I created. I took home around 150,000 US dollars after doing no sales for 120 days. I took out six figures right away. Wow. So... Yeah. The, the arrow perspective, you were shot out immediately with that. That's that's incredible. Pretty. That's the way I look at it. Though I was a little bit stupid with my money, and as much as like I was talking to a friend about this, I was like, man, I really wish I could tell people that I did stuff like I went to strip clubs, hookers, blow the whole lot, you know, like bought money, just all this. I, no, all I did was I paid, I paid like for, I helped pay people back. Uh, I helped people in my family out of debt. I, I did all this crazy good stuff. I was like, at the end of the year, I was like, why do I have no money? Like, what happened to all my money? <laughs> And I was like, I've got nothing. I've only just got like toys and stuff that I wanted to show for it. So it's so one of those little moments. So business advice for real quick. Make sure you like invest 10% of your money away. 
if not more, just into a savings account so you can have that always just, just as a safety net. That, that's something I remember. Now, I have a question for you because there's something that I, you're one of those people I know I can ask this question to and you'd, and you'd really be able to answer it. Um, you know how everyone speaks about taking responsibility when, you know, the, the thing I did, I was down on my luck, I was blaming everyone, and then I took responsibility for my actions, and 60 days later, 90 days later, 120 days later, two years later, I turned everything around, whatever it was. Now, my question for you here is, how do you actually take responsibility for that? Because I know some people out there, and I've been in that situation, where I don't want to take responsibility. I'm like, okay, it's no one else's fault, but how do I get out of this shit, uh, the, the shit I'm in? What's, what's Chip's method from his book? Wow, to get to, to take responsibility. You know, I think that uh, one of my chapters in this is that realize it's a piece of advice, again, for my kids turning into adults. And it says, realize that the world is a reflection of you. And see, I got that from Earl Nightingale. And I remember listening to his old tapes, which were fantastic. If you, uh, if you have access to iTunes, look up Earl Nightingale. And I think it's like maybe 10 bucks for his old Lead the, uh, Lead the Field series. And, and it's incredible. And one of the stories that he talks about is that uh, a traveler is coming along and he uh, sees a city ahead and he asks a farmer there and he says, hey, what kind of people are in the city? And the farmer says, well, what kind of folks were in the last city you were in? And he says, you know what? They were terrible. They cheated everyone. They were, uh, they, they were bad uh, and horrible and I needed to get away. And the farmer says, well, you're going to find the same kind of people here, man. And I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, keep going. So. So he does. And another tra traveler comes along and he says, you know, what kind of folks are in the city? And he says, well, what kind of folks were in the last city? And he says, yeah, they were fantastic. Some of the finest people that you'll ever meet in your life. They were noble. They reached out. They helped their other, their fellow friends. And the, the farmer said, you know, brother, this is wonderful because you're going to find the same kind of people in the, in the next city. Um, just the world is a mirror of you. And if you are blaming and if you are criticizing and you are finding faults with everything but yourself, then uh, that's going to be your world. That's going to be your mindset. Now, if you tend to, if you look for the best and you do find, if you start doing things like like uh, you had mentioned, you know, you say you love yourself or you start a gratitude journal, you start to find the good in life and that's a virtuous cycle and it gets better and better. But with that said, I think that there has to be some kind of switch that turns on because you don't just all of a sudden start to get grateful or, um, or take responsibility. And uh, Jim Rohn, another mentor of mine, which I, I bet you've read as well, it's amazing that you're your age and you've had all this knowledge, but anyways, uh, Jim <laughs> <laughs> uh, he called it the, the day that turns your life around. You know, just where you just had it and you're sick and you're broken and you think, you know, God, there's got to be more to life than this. And, uh, and that starts the rebound. And a lot of times it's because you've hit the bottom. And see, I, I've always been fascinated with that inflection points. Like, what is it that causes it? And that's kind of the gist, uh, the gist of your question yeah. is you're, you're on a downward a downward trend and then all of a sudden it curves up and forms a parabola uh, and what happens at that inflection and what uh, what happens with it and just thinking about it now the the best thing that I can say is one is that it's divine in nature and it is 
God's way, or if you, you don't believe that way, that's fine. The universe's way of, of getting your attention and saying, listen, it can be better. And we go through dark times to make the, the better times that much sweeter. And that's where I, I think it has to happen is you have to get to the point of just not enough. The day that turns your life around. And Jim Rohn says it so beautifully. He says that you cannot change where you are, your, your destination yeah, in a given day, but you can change your direction. Yeah. And, and that's a powerful thing when it happens. And when you do take responsibility and you know what, there is another chapter in the book and I'm thinking about it now and that's take extreme ownership and it's uh, subtitled the, the white knights on the horse fallacy. And that is that anyone other than you is going to get you out of your situation or make it a better life. Because I think that there is a sickness of entitlement that happens that life should be easy and it should yep. be great and everything uh, should be smiley and happy and sunshiny and and that's not the way it's set up. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad that it isn't because it is overcoming the bad times and it is knocking on the next door that you've done uh, many tens of thousands of times probably. It's knocking on the next door and getting up again that that's develops your character. And it's not the easy time where you become a, a virtuous person. It's you know, when life has knocked you down. Yeah, it really isn't. Um, one thing that really gives me solace is um, something Les Brown says, which is if you're gonna if you're gonna get knocked up, if life's gonna knock you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a good song. And something I'd say that I've um, I've it's. I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't listen to this song until earlier this year, but I love that that's the opening part of uh, "Ain't No Grave" by Johnny Cash. Huh. Um, where it says, "What's it called? Ain't no grave gonna uh, gonna hold my body down. When that trumpet sounds, my body's gonna rise right out of the ground." And essentially, it's just that. And because I come from a martial arts background, I mean, I used to fight. Um, I still do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You know. That's my competition. I, I love doing stuff like that. And anytime I think of that, I just have this image of getting right back up because I've had it before. I've been, I've, I've been, um, thankfully, you know, thank God and stuff. I've never been knocked out or had any like concussions, but I remember the one time I got dropped, like actually got hit so hard. I was sparring with someone. They hit me so cleanly that for a moment, the light switched off and I woke up. I remember looking up and they were looking over me and they were like, we, it was a sparring session, so, you know, they were mimicking a real fight, so the referee and everything. And the guy was looking down at me. He was at eight out of the ten. Like, he was going for eight. And I basically pulled myself back up. He looked at me and said, are you okay? I was like, yep, I'm okay. I'm going to see the round through. It's only a minute left. So the round through. Later, me and my opponent had a conversation about this. And he's a friend of mine. And he turned around to me. He goes, uh, did I knock you out with that punch? I was like, yeah. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I wouldn't have been able to tell. I was like, why is that? He goes, because when I hit you so hard... You didn't fall normally. You actually staggered around for a little bit, and I had to keep hitting you until you hit the ground. And when you hit the ground, that's when the referee gave you a ten count. I was like, "Oh," I was like, "Yeah, I didn't feel anything. I only got up because I looked at the count. And I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to go down. I want to get back up." But the point of this is quite simply: if you can get knocked on, the, if you can get knocked in your ass, it's not even a matter of if you are going to get knocked in your ass. Try and look up, and um, try and backtrack a little bit on the entitlement thing for a second. I agree with you, and it really pains me seeing people in my generation at my age acting that way because i'm like you may have been given all the things that your parents didn't have but now actually work your ass off to keep them 
go work, go do things, get your hands dirty, go do the things that are uncomfortable. Because the premise is if you're in a place that's uncomfortable and you can learn to get comfortable there, you're able to get comfortable anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, become a friend with pain. That's yeah. <laughs> that, that's interesting. You know, uh, one, uh, other, you know, one other thing that I, thought I wanted to talk about when we were talking about the dark yeah, times, we're talking about this and getting back up. Uh, I had uh, lunch with a good friend of mine, and this is probably about a year ago now, and he uh, he said this, and it made a lot of sense. And that is that, uh, in his case, he used the word the devil, you know, as he's uh, you know more uh, religious or, or what have you. But uh, I will substitute the word the darkness, or you can use resistance. And he said that um, that the resistance will fuck with the people that can do the most good, and it will try and get you early. And I, I think that that's part of the entrepreneurial journey because, and I think that's why we're all at least you know twenty percent mad. And yeah. Yeah, is uh, that, that uh, if you're going to do great good in the world, uh, that's when the devil would want to mess with you as early on and get in your head and fuck you up before you go out and do an incredible, uh, an incredible thing. And mm -hmm. that's that's what happens. So I think that. You know, the degree of greatness that is in us is uh, in a large part due to what we've overcome to get there. And Great. yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a neat principle and that's stuck with me too. So I kind of wear it as a badge of honor if life is being mean to you. And uh, I, I think that we're probably both into this as well. I've, I've gotten lately, I've been reading a whole lot of Stoic philosophy yep. and love that. I have the, the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. It's, <laughs> oh. one of Dude, your that, books. That, that book literally came yesterday. That, literally, that book literally arrived through my mailbox yesterday. Oh, this is <laughs> wonderful. Yes, that's one of, one of my morning rituals. And I, I, I understand you've gotten it too. That's one of the ways you keep the darkness at bay is through daily rituals and taking care of yourself and being vigilant about what comes into your mind. And uh, the Daily Stoic, I love that because it's a, a couple of minutes, but the principles in it stay with you all day. Yep. And, uh, and that's great. And, of course, I, I like to use the five-minute journal as well. Uh, just get some gratitude out and, and what you enjoy. And we would mentioned entitlement earlier, and I have this philosophy that, that people are either grateful or I'll even say appreciative because that's a, a better word, or they're entitled. And it, it is imperative on us as people to get out of the entitlement philosophy that we are entitled to our next breath, that we're entitled to a life of ease and that uh, everyone's going to be healthy and, and happy and instead get into gratitude and appreciate, actively go out and appreciate that all of this exists with us, that we are taking the next breath or that our family is healthy and that we've had the time that we've had with them, even if uh, suddenly they, they pass away or something happens. And uh, to, to be grateful for the time that we had and be, appreci be appreciative that goodbye could hurt so much. Yeah, and I, just, I, I agree with you entirely there. Far too few people actually look at stuff like that and it's so well, powerful. Now, I have a question for you that I love to ask because, I again, I know it's in the book. I know it's in the book you wrote. That's why I ask you, like, spell it out. So one of my favorite questions in this, uh, do I do these podcasts? And that is, and we've spoken about it to a certain degree, but I kind of want to go into the actual strategy for a moment. It's like when life actually kicks your ass, knocks yeah. you down, 
you're down, confidence lower than you ever thought possible. I mean, you've gone through the highest highs, now you're at the lowest lows, you're at the lowest pit you've been in. What strategy do you personally use to get yourself back up? Well, thanks. Like, what's uh, your ritual? You know what, this is this uh, happened to me, and, and it's, it happened uh, a little over two years ago. I was uh, in, a, in pretty much a depression. I didn't want to get out of bed, and I felt guilty about being in it because I had a great business and a fantastic family and uh, I just felt like I wasn't living up to my potential and I think that catches up with you and there's if you have some good that you can do in the world and there's this dissonance between what you can do and what you are doing you're going to be dissatisfied and that was that was kicking my ass and I was uh, as much out of shape as I'd ever been um, it didn't take joy in my work I was good at it uh, and it paid well, but uh, I didn't like it. And I read the book Choose Yourself by James Altucher. And of course, uh, obviously, I mean, we both we read a lot um, and a lot of self-development, and a lot of self-help because I'd already gone through that. But he has what he calls the daily practice. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, yeah, you're shaking your head. But uh, for those that are listening, uh, he did. He would always do something good for him that was uh, good for him physically, good for him mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And he would do that every day as part of his daily practice. And I started doing that. And just, uh, for instance, like the physical part of it, because I was so out of shape, I just started taking a 10 to 20 minute walk every day. And even that will change your life if you're on the upswing, if you're past that inflection point we talked about earlier. Uh, emotionally, I started saying no to the things that I didn't want to do, and I got rid of time vampires, and uh, I guess emotional vampires is who I should all call them. You know, when when someone walks into a room, and you know that I guess that they're basically kind of a taker, and you just feel your energy just kind of drop, like uh, you know, <laughs> just yep. just don't don't hang out with them, and that that's something I did. Uh, I was uh, very guarded about that, so about who I spent my time with, and. Uh, intellectually and mentally, I did the idealists, and I still do that to this day, which is wonderful. And that is exercising your mind and getting it flowing and working and becoming an idea machine. And I will uh, come up with a uh, with a topic, and the topic could be anything. Like uh, some of my favorite ones, and I do this uh, probably every once every month or two months. And that is twenty things that I could do immediately right now to improve my life with little to no brain damage. You know, and just start listing ideas and things out, and uh, and it's amazing because your mind does start to to work just like a muscle, and it gets stronger over time, and that helped me a lot professionally. And then the last part, which I, I'd say helped me the most, was spiritually. And one of them, uh, you talked about it earlier, I think. Well, you'd mentioned the journal uh, about loving yourself, but I did journal every day, and I did a gratitude journal of all the things that I'm grateful for, and especially. When I felt really bad that day, I would reach in and, and keep writing, and I'd come up with a list of 100 or 200 things, literally, that I'm grateful for. And, and it could be as simple as, my sheets feel incredible, <laughs> or, you know what, I took the last uh, 100,000 breaths, <laughs> and uh, it looks like I'm going to take some more. And uh, it gets you out of thinking about your, yourself in uh, a victim mentality or entitlement, and and it just gets your mind in a better spot. And I think that's also why the five-minute journal is so effective because every day it has you looking for things and your antenna is up to be grateful about things. So there was that. 
<coughs> and then the last thing, and so we've already we've touched on this at the beginning, is that I made a resolution to do a kind act for another human being every single day. And we talked about this earlier, but I gave myself bonus points if it was just between me and God. Yeah. And that was awesome. Uh, and it's an absolute quirk of humanity and it's uh, wonderful. It's a miracle and how that, and how we are made and that you can't do something good for someone else without feeling good yourself. I mean, it's just really cool how that works. It's uh, like fusion energy. And it, I remember distinctly being in bed one day, not wanting to get up and uh, the inner critic, the, uh, the terrible voice talking in my mind, like, what good are you going to do today? And I came back with a rational answer and said, well, I'm going to do good for at least one person today. You know, and I got up and I, I went about my business and uh, just even a small act. And, and if I get to the end of the day and I haven't uh, done, quote unquote, a kind act that I can write down or say, yes, this is good, then, then I will text two people and just tell them I appreciate them, I love them, and uh, they're uh, glad they're in my life. And just passing that on, it helps you feel better, and, and hopefully it helps them feel better as well. And just just getting started with that, because I, I think if you even if you start small, if you're consistent with it, it's just like everything. It's the law of interest and compounded returns. It gets better and better. You know, that 10-minute walk turns into – uh, going for a run or lifting weights or getting into CrossFit or rolling uh, jiu-jitsu, which, by the way, we have some of that in com uh, common as well. I was a oh, wrestler nice. in school and have uh, have rolled before, so Sweet. that's fun. Oh, yeah, true <laughs> My first uh, – being I was a pretty decent wrestler in, in high school, and uh, you know the male ego, you think that you can take down anybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, he just I kind of went there, and uh, the the guy that introduced me to MMA, he was a professional MMA fighter. His name was Shannon Rich, and I think to this day he's like he has like the most professional fights of anybody, and uh, they call him Shannon the Cannon, and he fought in Pride, and this was my first you know sparring session, yeah, right? I was gonna say I, I think I remember Shannon. Yeah, and and he doesn't have a great record. I think he's well. I mean, he's maybe fifty fifty, which I mean, that's that's fantastic. That's a whole yeah. lot more fights than I've I've won. But he uh, did a guillotine on me like five times in a row. <laughs> tried to choke him when I tried to take him, and he choked me out. And I actually did go unconscious at least once. And uh, that was a, a humbling experience. And it all it also makes you realize that yeah, there are people that are better than you. <laughs> so that was yeah. that was a great experience. Anyways. I digress. No, 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 it's all good. I mean, it's something that's um, that, that very few people really realize. I mean, one of my biggest fears, and I'll talk to you about this later after the show because it's more of an MMA thing, is I'm terrified of going for a double and single leg takedown in jiu-jitsu. I don't know why. Um, because even when I do go for them, I've taken out I've taken out some pretty decent guys, some pretty decent wrestlers because, um, well, I'm six foot tall and lanky and quite slender. I think I weigh like, right now I'm 170... I'm about 168 to 170 pounds, but like when I'm in shape, I'm 135 to 145, and that's without weight cutting. Wow. I just I walk around at that weight when I'm uh, yep. when I'm in shape. So like going for takedowns, I'm a long skinny dude that's able to take you to the ground. But I'm like I'm terrified I'm gonna get kneed in the face because I'm just so used to that whole thing. It's like if you dive down there, they're gonna knee you in the face. It's just a crazy yep. thing. But one of the graphics. You're probably better at, the, at defending that than I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guillotine constantly. Oh man, I remember the first time I got guillotined. Uh, I didn't know how to get out of it. Now it's just like I just forward roll. If someone's going to do it, it's forward roll, get out, and just like pass the guard or something. 
uh, see what I can do. So you understand like brain angles, like body angles, it's really cool. Now, my favorite question of the show, as always, is I love to ask everyone, we've covered so many points. I kind of want to like cleanse this, I want to like bridge this down to this point. And it could be three new points, could be one singular point, could be anything that you want. But if you had to give the audience members that are listening to the show, which are mostly entrepreneurs, or entrepreneurs that hit a plateau, or entrepreneurs that are actually hitting that low curve, they're like wanting to make their way back up, what three pieces of advice would you give them to right away? Like just straight off, like do this, this, and this. These are the three things that you need to do. Okay. Well, the first thing I would say is uh, extreme self-care and love, self-compassion at that point. That may not be the, uh, the cool thing to talk about, but anytime we're going through a funk or a downturn, because I've been in sales for 20 years, and, and I know that that's one of the first thing that messes with your mind, is you've got to be kind to yourself and and love yourself and uh, take care of things. And I think that all good will come of that. And you just realizing that it's a funk or, or, uh, or that your current circumstances not dictate your self-worth. And, uh, and that's, that's one of the, the biggest things. Uh, the next thing I would say is to take massive action. And, and I think that a lot of people do, but, uh, and I probably should couch that and say massive intelligent action. Yep. So, and, uh, and to do that, uh, one of my favorite strategies or things to do is go follow someone that is doing what you are doing extremely well. And two things happen with that. And one is, your brain starts to to realize that you can succeed and that it actually does happen and that it's okay for I have no idea why we're getting like massive feedback for a second. I'm just gonna give you a call back. Hold on, okay, I'm gonna call you right back. We are here. Yeah. Cool. Sorry about that guy. It's just um it started to go a little bit like robot and fizzly out, so I just wanna make sure that we got the best of chips advice. So please continue where you were, my friend. Well, thanks. Yeah, uh, we were talking about shadowing. That's what, what we call it, and we've done it in real estate. I, I did it in real estate um, back in 1999. I remember this well. I, I found an agent that was just killing it in New Mexico named Ron Campbell, and he was uh, two to three million dollars a year in personal commission. Wow. And I remember, yeah, I remember hearing him on a mastermind tape. You know, cause back at that time, we listened to tapes. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I looked him up and found his number and I just called him and said, you know, I know this is strange, but I'm uh, this young guy and I'm uh, trying to do a good thing here. And can I follow you just to, to meet you out for a day to see how business is done, ask you questions. And uh, I promise I will not be a nuisance and I'll listen to the things that you say. And if there's anything I can help you with, I'd love to do that. And he was just as gracious as he could be. And he allowed me to come out and do that. And I followed him, I believe, for four days. And he showed me the ins and outs of his business. Uh, when he wasn't there, I got to hang out in his office and see all of their, their systems and how they dealt with people and their hiring systems, the scripts that they use for calling people. And I just uh, I documented the, the heck out of everything and wrote it down. Uh, I take lots of notes <laughs> on everything. And, uh, and my business just uh, just went crazy. Uh, I, I did uh, a lot more business after that because you do see that it's possible. But the second thing, of course, is that uh, you get strategies and tips and 
you uh, get a mentor and you know that, that you're doing the right thing. So I think that that's just so overlooked. And I know in our school system, we never, uh, we never do that. We never learn from people in our profession. Instead, we're learning from uh, academics that generally haven't done what, whatever they're doing. Yep. Uh, and in the olden days, of course, they did apprenticeships. And I think that they learned things a lot better when they did that. Um, so shadowing is just a good way to do that. I, I agree entirely with you, though. Yeah, well, well thank you. Um, you know, and the last thing, I'm trying to, the, the getting it down to three is tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was like, you can go with one or two or three, but like, I was like, three is always a good number for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, yeah, and you said to, to get over a funk or, or to, to get where you're, um, where you're doing something uh, again, I've already uh, I've mentioned the the massive action, and that includes following someone and doing your scripts and actually taking the intelligent action with it. Um, the third one is is persistence and just knowing that you can overcome a anything if you continually get up and you adapt, and that's the big thing. That's the taking intelligent action and you overcome. And persistence and intelligent action will overcome anything. And that's, that's got to be the third one. You're not going to give up no matter what. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs have that grit, and especially the folks that you had mentioned earlier that have come from nothing. And there's that special reservoir of, of spirit inside of you that just says, no, not me, not now, that uh, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to do this. And he, man, you just do it. Yeah, and um, yeah, and there's lots of other things too. Surrounding yourself with the right people, uh, obviously. I mean, the, those are great things. Uh, measuring things and in uh, looking at it and seeing from an objective standpoint if if this is working or not working as the the game changed and I haven't done it. And uh, there's a lot of other things, but those would be my top three. That's pretty awesome. Thank you for sharing those. I'm gonna just add. I'm gonna tack on just one thing to what you said. Um, even like I, I we've both been through the freaking ringer enough times in our lives that we know this sometimes you don't want to basically like sometimes you doubt whether or not you'll be able to get back up again whether you can do things and you don't feel like doing it but as you said earlier as Jim Rohn said you can't change the direction you can't change the destination but you can change the direction right away so turn that yeah. turn that around and you might not be able you might think the way I'm doing things is wrong. What I'm doing, everything is wrong. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. Well, guess what? Pick one thing that you write at, and that's getting gratitude. Sit down, write 5, 10, 20, 30, 100 things that you're grateful for. And then go, okay, cool. Yeah. I've got this. I feel good. Let's go do something good. Surround yourself with the right people. And something I'm going to add that's a big one for me that took me a long time to do, get good at asking for help. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help because you you highlighted that when you called the guy in New Mexico not many people are willing to call people up and go, hey, can you help me? They'll, they'll, just, they'll sit there quietly hoping they get picked on by someone and say, oh, hey, you've got some real talent. Oh, you got this. It's interesting. Let's connect. But asking for that help is just so instrumental and fundamental to what we do is, uh, what we do in business. At it, by the way. I mean, that's uh, being empathetic, giving type people. I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs have a hard time asking for help. And uh, Kevin Thompson is w one of my friends. I uh, know him from Genius Network and Archangel, and he gave a talk about it at Genius Network. And it is uh, you know, asking for help 
is really neat because uh, you and I, we actually appreciate if someone asks for help and we're happy to give it. And it actually, like we talked about, if you do something kind for someone else, it makes you feel better. And by not asking for help, you're depriving them of that feeling. Yep. And that's uh, just something important. And I have to consciously think about that because it is hard to ask for help sometimes. Oh, hell yeah. It's uh, my biggest weakness has always been that, that and being vulnerable with people. Because there's times when I'm down, I'm like, I've, if I tell this person that I'm struggling, are they going to think less of me? Are they going to think this of me? Are they going to think that of me? And I can tell you right now, nine out of ten times I've asked for help and amazing things have happened. But we'll get into that later on. Guys, go check out chipfranks.com. Go order his book. Uh, just, you know what, make it, make it easier for yourself because we haven't got a title for this yet. Just type in Chip Franks on Amazon and whatever his book comes up, buy it. And if it's got his face on it, you'll know it's him. Um, I'll probably write like a review right away. So you'll be like, where's Adel's name? Oh, there it is. This is the right books. It's there. <laughs> but yeah, guys, go check it out. Look, As... a good one. <laughs> Say again? I hope it's a good review. Oh, it will be. <laughs> Dude, you've got some great. This guy is terrible. <laughs> don't waste <laughs> <Yeah>. your <laughs> I don't think I would write that. I think I'd like personally message going, Chip, can you make this book better, please? Yeah. <laughs> You're missing my name in the title. How dare you? I'm kidding. It's all good. But anyway, uh, guys, go check it out. Seriously, follow uh, follow Chip and everything. Seriously, check out JoeVolunteer.com um, when that goes live, ChipFranks.com, and just follow the man. The guy's a freaking genius. He's got a huge heart on him. And start asking. Just ask, and it's so much easier. You know, pick up your slack, and, you know, definitely going to have Chip back on in the future. But thanks again, brother. Thanks for doing this and uh, taking the time. Well, uh, you're very welcome, Adil, and it's been a pleasure to actually talk with you face-to-face -face here uh, over a glowing screen. I, I really appreciate that. Likewise. I think this is the first time we've done this. It's kind of awesome. But guys, check him out, and I'll speak ah. to you guys soon. Yeah.